0: No, whatever you are, whatever you're doing, stay with us as the suns get set to shine. Mary, the heard, here's the jump shot. Jump to Marley, a long three. He got him. He got him. Into Booker, here's the three. Tuesday. <laughs> in! Oliver, Sir Charles, and he flies in for a wham, bang, slam. Bravo time!
1: Welcome to 7 Seconds or Less. This is a podcast about the NBA with a Phoenix Suns focus. My name is Max McCauley and I am joined as always by my co-host. His name is David Nash. David, what's going on my friend?
0: Uh, We're we're stuck in a a pretty tight game here, Max, and uh, we're going to be doing something different for the episode today. So I'm really excited to jump right into this one.
1: We are yeah, this is we're currently coming to you from the fourth quarter of the sun's pistons game we're gonna we're not gonna live call the game because that would be boring as hell. you've all
0: seen it already,, <laughs> yep. uh,
1: but we are gonna like have our conversation sort of based on the game, kind of like uh two buddies hanging out watching the game, David, I'm pretty excited about this,
0: yeah, and I think we've seen a lot of the stuff in this game that uh we'd probably want to talk about anyway the uh t j ejection is brought a, a different f- angle to this game, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm interested and, and intrigued to get stuck into this one, Max.
1: So what did you think? You mentioned it already. What did you think about the TJ Warren uh, ejection?
0: Yeah, I think it was probably an offensive foul, Max. We don't know what TJ said to the ref to get himself ejected. I'm, I'm sure it was worthy. He's a, a pretty quiet guy normally, but uh, probably an accumulation of frustration rather than... Uh, that specific foul, Max. What did you What did you think?
1: Yeah, I tend to agree. I, a lot of the people uh, who I was watching, you know, saw, see on Twitter talk about it, they were pretty mad about it. But I, I think it was more frustration just for two things, because, you know, all the bad calls that happened in the game so far. And then also, like you said, you know, he got ejected. So people were frustrated about that. I really don't think that, uh, that the foul was that bad of a call. I mean, it wasn't... It, it could have gone either way. It, it kind of looked probably to the ref, because I thought initially, too, that he get slapped him in the face. Yep. Um but it really was on the shoulder. So I, I think it probably shouldn't have been called, but I understand why the ref called it and I think TJ probably overreacted a little bit. Is that fair to say? Yeah.
0: Yeah, certainly not as bad as the eight and call where Griffin uh you know clearly flopped, which might have been part of uh TJ's reaction overall. Yep. Uh
1: so Holmes just had a really nice play. David, Holmes has been really good in this game and sort of really good altogether, together. What are your thoughts on him and maybe in this game and also just, you know, fast couple... We've
0: we've got really good minutes out of the center position tonight. I, I think yep. that it's been one of, you know, Aiton's better all-round games as well, but Holmes has certainly brought the energy, and if that means that he uh, lifts Aiton up another gear too, I think getting, uh, you know, good 48 minutes from the five position is, is crucial for the Suns.
1: Yeah, I've actually liked the way Aiton's played too. I thought he had a couple of nice defensive plays. He's still not... Rotating when he's supposed to a lot of times. In fact, one time Booker got really, really mad at him, which Booker continues to do this thing where he gets really mad at eight on defense, which is it's always kinda of funny, even though Booker's been playing better defense
0: lately, you know. It's a it's a bit of a recurring theme that people are noticing, I think, but uh Yeah, As long as it's not uh, killing the relationship or killing Aiton's confidence, I'm all for it. We've talked about it quite a bit. Someone needs to get vocal on this team, Max. Back from a a timeout here, we've skipped ahead to 7.40. Terrible uh, defensive possessions there by the Suns. We're now 9 down, so... Uh, we're going to have to get on a little bit of a run here to get back in the game.
1: Well, at least Isaiah Cannon's in the game. I mean, you know. <laughs> well, who else could you want at a time like this? Oh, uh, ooh. Yeah,
0: Aiton just got fouled for anyone who's who's not watching. and uh, I was hoping they were going to call a foul on that because that was pretty obvious. Something we definitely needed uh, after a bit of a wild pass from Booker. But what have you thought about Aiton's game overall here, Max? Pretty good, um, you know the similar mistakes he usually makes. Yep. But I think he's been better on defense
1: than he usually is. Yep, he's been active. I thought he's done a pretty good job on Drummond. Although Drummond's a much better matchup for him than Embiid, because I mean, just just if you want to know why, watch Embiid play against Drummond. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. I think you know you and I have have discussed you know, earlier in the game while we were just watching that, you know, they've definitely come in with a, a defensive scheme here and, you know, maybe that helps Aiton. He's not over, you know, overthinking things. He's just playing really simply and I think, as you said, he, he can play Drummond pretty simply, not having to worry about him stretching out to the three-point line or anything like that.
1: Yeah, I think that's right. They've been trying to trap people at certain times of the game. In fact, we just watched uh, Booker seem to get mad, I think, at Cannon for not trapping Jackson yep. in the corner over there and then eventually just it, it worked out because they the ball over, but uh, I think that they were supposed to chat
0: there a little earlier. Yeah, it was an interesting one. Jackson's been pretty horrible in this game and uh, we're, we're seeing kind of turnovers and missed shots from both the Pistons and the Suns here. We just can't... Mm.
1: Booker really needed that one to go down. His, his three-point shooting has been, uh, he's been way off lately.
0: That's yeah, for sure. we're, we're definitely playing into their hands a little bit here and uh, they're doing us some favors to hopefully keep us in the game. They're missing a lot of shots. We need we need Booker to get hot again. He's he's probably been you know really our whole offense this game. What do you think?
1: I mean he's he's been the best player on our on our team I think for the past few games. Yep. Uh, he's just even though he's not making th- that's kind of what's remarkable about it even though he's not making threes. Which is kind of his calling card. He's still been incredibly good. It's, it's crazy.
0: Yeah, all these percentages have kind of regressed back down to last season. But as you see, the Suns turn it over again there on a pick mm. and roll. But uh, yeah, he's definitely been better inside the arc. His playmaking, but the three point shots are, is a little bit off. And yeah, and I
1: was gonna say the turnovers have been better too. Up that wasn't great, but
0: <laughs> yeah, that that was a bad pass that leads to a, another Pistons. Three point shot here, and this this game might be over before we've even started, Max.
1: Yeah, so we're going to commercial break. Let's uh, let's let's get into a little around the NBA stuff because I've been just I've been in love with this league right now, David. Yep. Uh, the Western Conference is it's ridiculous. I think what the kids would say is it's lit, David. <laughs> I use that right. I, I mean, I think I don't look at the standings today, but I looked at me yesterday. There was a, there was a four team tie. At, for first yesterday, yep, which is yep. insane, and it was none of the four teams that I think that you'd expect to be up there. It was like Memphis <laughs> Clippers. I think OKC was there. They lost last night, but it's just David. I think it's 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 going to be a really fun league to watch all season long because I don't think this is going to break up. I think we're going to kind of have a, a claustrophobic uh, top eight kind of all season long.
0: Yeah, there, there's 11 teams of the 15 in the Western Conference that are that were over 500 at the start of today, Max, which is wow. just crazy compared to I think seven in the east Uh, and the Suns you know they sit all the way down the bottom there and you know there's not really another team to attach ourselves to at the bottom of the west right now it's really hard to see who's going to be a team that might fall down I'm sure towards the end there might be some teams that pull up stumps as we like to say in Australia and and maybe look for draft picks rather than chasing a, a playoff spot but yeah even teams like Sacramento Memphis are right at the top there you know one of those surprising teams you were talking about yeah there's not really anyone who's going to drop just yet
1: no it doesn't look like it if I had to bet on it I think it's probably going to be Dallas and maybe even San Antonio I know you like San Antonio a little more than me before the season started they just they don't have enough guys they seem like
0: they're really hurting for guards real talent drop off there and uh yeah they're the teams I've got noted down as well max act which is funny and then you know Sacramento Hmm. will they ever uh, you know, regress back mm-hmm. to to what we thought that they would be, but you know the the Suns are probably going to be at the bottom there, no matter how well we do for the rest of the season. And it's probably more about how many East teams are going to be in the final standings above us. Max, there's kind of Atlanta, Cleveland, Chicago, even the Knicks and Washington. So we we could be the worst team in the West, but. You know, only the fourth or fifth, you know, worst team overall in the league.
1: Yeah, I would still probably bet on fourth. I think Atlanta, Cleveland, and Chicago will be worse than us. Mainly because I think we're going to try the entire season and they're not. Yeah. Maybe New York. We'll see about New York. Have there been any news on Porzingis? I haven't heard anything.
0: I haven't heard anything about him kind of returning to any contact or anything like that. I don't think they're in any rush to, to bring him back, Probably. Uh, you know, getting another high draft pick in for them is probably crucial to their overall future. And a a, Mm -hmm. a good note by you there, I think, yeah, I agree. Phoenix are going to probably fight right to the end and it could be detrimental. Obviously, the lotto odds are a little better for us. But uh, yeah, it it could mean that we end up with a fifth or sixth pick instead of one of those top, top three. Which would not be
1: great. All right, so we're back in it. <laughs> I mean, the back game's back on. I didn't mean the Suns are back in the game. We're we just turned the ball over again. So right on
0: cue with the turnover there, and. Uh... A, a big defensive stop on, on Blake as he flops to the ground again for, a, for another that was, time. That, so that was the
1: most egregious one, right? He acted like he got shot. Yep. He's been pretty bad today in terms of that. He's been acting. It's been pretty annoying. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah,
0: I think, you know, that the, the Suns have frustrated him with the, the way that they've brought it, and uh, unfortunately, just the Pistons' other guys have, have made enough shots to put this lead on us, and, and the Suns haven't been able to make theirs outside of Booker, basically.
1: It looks like he did get hit in the head, but it was pretty inadvertent. I see why they didn't call it, but maybe he yeah, we'll, we'll
0: give him that one. It, it's an accumulation. You can have one. <laughs>
1: but yeah, man, this team is really emphasizing how badly the Suns need another guard. That's Booker is their only guard who's really NBA caliber right now. I mean, Crawford gets hot at times. I know he hit the game winner. People like him, but he's not really an NBA guard right now. He used to be, so we can
0: kind of pull it out when he needs to. Oh, that was a bad turnover. This is, this is getting bad, David. This is, yeah, another foul there by Aiton on Drum and sending him to the line. But, yeah, I think you're right, and I think, you know, it was it was warning signs when TJ got himself ejected because uh, I think the Suns made the right move to, to bring Jackson in as the, you know, the guy into the starting lineup, just particularly with that defensive scheme that they were trying to play. But uh, then all of a sudden you don't have Jackson to come off the bench and, you know, we're going to get stuck with a lot of heavy... Uh, Minutes from Kanan and and Crawford, as you said, who's been better, Kanan's been worse in in recent times, and uh, it's just really highlighted that talent drop-off as as Troy Daniels still sits there at the end of the bench and and can't get on the court, Max.
1: Yeah, it's hard for me to understand why Kanan is playing over... Uh, Crawford at this point. Daniels, you mean? Yeah, sorry, I meant Daniels. Sorry, I'm, I'm distracted by Devin Booker being a superhero. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I The cannon doesn't do anything well at all. He's a bad defender. He's a bad running the offense. He's a bad shooter. I mean, I, okay, he's an okay shooter, but he's not as good as Daniels. Daniels is much, much better than him at shooting. Yeah,
0: I think it's a it's a good way to compare it is to compare those two and and look at Kanan when he's playing on the court. You know, there's an argument there that, you know, you want two playmakers out on the court, but then if you actually watch the games, most of the time when he's playing with Crawford, Crawford's the one doing the playmaking and Kanan's just sitting in the corner. And then, you know, they're using Kanan as the point of attack defender. But, you know, he's no better than any of those other options in that lineup. So, yeah, I think if you compare it purely on that, it it is hard to see why Daniels can't get on the court more. Uh, And we come back to something we've discussed quite a bit Purely in uh, Kanan, you know, maybe knowing the offense better, but knowing the offense and and actually being able to execute are kind of two different things, Max. They certainly are. <laughs> Another big turnover to a fast-break bucket there, and uh, this game is, yeah. is, is probably over, Max. It's starting to feel over,
1: but, you know, maybe they'll hit a couple of threes. They got Crawford and Booker, and both of them get pretty lightning hot pretty quick. But
0: it's gonna to have to happen now. And then, right on cue, Booker hits a three to to keep us nine points in the game. A
1: three from I don't know what's a what's a town near Detroit that's far away. Uh, that's Grand sure Rapids,
0: Michigan, where he's from, Max. <laughs> that
1: was Grand
0: Rapids. <laughs> and uh, we've just seen the Suns uh, hack Drummond here, so we might have a few stops in the game to to keep talking here, Max, because that might be definitely the first time we've seen Igor uh, use the the hack. In game and and we'll see with you know Drummond kind of you know I can't remember the last time he's hit two free throws although he has been better I think this season he's
1: been pretty decent today but yeah he's not the best free throw shooter I think it's a it's a desperation tactic I don't hate it Uh, hey he missed the first one the thing about hacker hacker player I think it works the best when the you're you're playing against a team uh, when you're in the lead. Because it's so hard for them to build momentum.
0: You it know really I mean? is, yeah. And and Drummond's just missed both there. So uh it, it definitely worked in this case and they'll probably go back to it again. But we see Booker get fouled there, which was very lucky as he was yep. looking a little out of control. But yeah, it, it's an interesting strategy to try and get them back in the game here. We you know, we, we saw through the first half that the offense was hot and we were kind of, you know, tied the whole way through because the the Suns defence really struggled against the Pistons you know, as we noted, guarded Griffin quite well, but uh, it's leaving a lot of other guys open. So it's going to be interesting here as Ariza leaves his feet and is called for a travel for another Mm. turnover there, Max. This is killing us.
1: It seems pretty clear to me, and I think you you just alluded to that, they're they're tired. Uh, The Warren injury hurt a lot, or not the injury, ejection, because, you know, they just lost a, a pillar of their offense, and... The rest of the guys got to do more and everyone's just tired. Yeah,
0: which is an interesting note when I was kind of preparing for the pod. uh, Since Ariza's come back from his uh, hiatus for personal issues, he's been, you know, really quite good, Max. But probably the thing that Mm -hmm. uh, stands out the most for him is he's averaging 40 minutes a game. Over the three games since he's come back, he's over 40 minutes, as I said. I think he's 8 of 19 from three, which is quite good, uh, averaging 3.6 assists. But again, that ties into the discussion we are having before about guard, and we've got depth at the wing, and a lot of guys are, are having to kind of cross over multiple positions, and uh, not sure how many minutes he's played tonight, Max, but he I'm sure he's pushing up to that forty minute mark again.
1: Yeah, they need him out there. Especially since I, I think he's been invigorated. Not only since he's gotten back, but just with Mikel next to him. I think we've both made this point before. It's it's really hard to play consistent, energized defense when, you know, you're the only guy trying to do it. <laughs> and just having Mikel there with him and just, you know, another wing guy who's doing what he's doing, I think it's just you know, it's it's you know it's easier to play defense when you have people behind you doing it. We've said
0: it about Ariza all along. He's he's going to look better on both ends of the floor as the guys around him are, are looking better. So as the the telecast puts up the Suns' schedule with Indiana, the Clippers, Orlando, Lakers, and Sacramento coming up, so it, it gets a little easier, Max, as the the Suns are looking like a better team. We we definitely seem to be out of the skid from. Uh, early on in the season, but yeah, no easy games in in the NBA, as we've been discussing. No,
1: I I was just about to say that before the season started, that looked like the easy stretch of the schedule, but you know, Orlando and Sacramento are both, I think, above 500. I think Orlando beat LA pretty easily today. Yep,
0: and they're around 500, as you said, and uh, the East is, you know, not quite as strong as the West, but there's definitely um, some hard teams there as Bridges misses the three. Mm, That was a nice pass by Booker. Follows up his... Rebounded and, nice and gets eight and under the bucket. So uh, we're, we're hanging in there, still nine points down here with uh, just under four minutes to play, Max.
1: Yeah, they're going to need uh, some hot shooting and some shooting luck on the other end. Like they've been getting lucky this game with Detroit missing. They're going to need
0: some more of that. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, as Griffin, uh, right on cue, knocks a three down. So we're not looking too good in this one, Max. Nope. At this point,
1: it's uh, Devin Booker stat watch, which has been the past couple of seasons.
0: <laughs> Hoping to get a lot of points, it's always fun when he does that. And right on cue again, he uh, goes with the lefty layup and and gets it. But he is kind of averaging twenty four points and and seven assists since uh, heading over to Point Book. At you know the second game in a row they've gone with that starting lineup here, Max. Hopefully, is going to continue. Um, you know, who knows what would have happened in the second half if TJ had have stayed in the game. But, you know, as I said before, the percentages have come down. You know, we think he's maybe looking a little bit healthier. And uh, 45 assists and just 19 turnovers... Uh, since, you know, what I would class as point book, which is, you know, I'm kind of saying around the Spurs game is when he really started playing point, even though they may have, you know, not changed the starting lineup till a couple of games later, Max. But go into another timeout, 10 points down here with... Two minutes and 37 seconds left to go.
1: And that, that one was really unfortunate because uh, Mikel had a great pass to 8 and he would have had an easy dog and just wasn't ready for it. And that's something that DeAndre's not there yet with his awareness mm-hmm. on either end. But even on offense where he's obviously much better, I don't think he has bad hands. I think he has pretty good hands. But he mishandles and fumbles so many passes and even rebounds too. And I, I think it's mostly because the game's, you know, he's a rookie. The game's pretty fast for him right now. And he's not seeing these things at the speed that the other players are seeing it at. And I think that is something he'll get better at. But right now, it can sometimes kill him, as it did right there.
0: Yeah, it's something you picked up on a few games ago now. And I've definitely seen it more since you noted it. I think he does have great hands. He's just overthinking the game on you know, both ends, uh, which is a little bit of a concern. We kind of saw it early on in the season with the defense. And uh, it, it meant some pretty bad low-light plays. But you know, it's maybe just started to creep into his offense a little bit here. And he's kind of lost that... Uh, rookie confidence and isn't playing with the same flow as he probably was early on in the season. Um, you know, I did note earlier that, you know, this game was probably his best all around game just in terms of fundamentals and, and playing within the system, but when the pressure's on and those moments come that that's when some of the mistakes are coming with Ayton, I think.
1: Yep, I agree. And I don't want to be too down on them. Like they were competitive, much more so than they were earlier in the season. This is a tough team, an early Sunday game on the road's never easy, so I don't wanna like hate on their performance today. They've been pretty fine, but it's a little disappointing because it looks like they had a chance to win this one.
0: Yeah, I think frustration is going to come from fans as we, uh, you know, see ourselves in more games and and then they slip away. But you know, for me, the Milwaukee game in in particular was a sign that this team is certainly not giving up and they they do believe in themselves and. Uh, not to keep Harpy on the same point, but there's just a clear talent drop-off here between units and, and to some of these teams that they're playing, Max. And...
1: They can't just keep playing Crawford and Kane uh, together for you know 15 minutes a game. It's, that's not viable. It's just not. You're going to defend nobody, and your offense is going to suck. Like, you're just going to be bad on both ends when you do that.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah the, the Kane and Crawford thing is probably the biggest question mark right now, and something that we need to see a resolution to. We can keep talking about how much or how little options Igor has behind them. But, you know, when the results are that bad, you you have to try something. So uh, I would hope, you know, I think we're back home uh, after this mini road trip here. And, And, you know, I think something I've touched on in the past before is it's hard to make decisions on the run like that particularly when you're on road trips so you know maybe once they can get a couple of practices in that might you know when we see you know some changes some bigger changes to the rotation max but you know this one in particular obviously the tj ejection really hurt them too as uh griffin is just uh toying with the suns now and this this one's all but over so we can probably talk about some bigger things than just this game now max
1: yeah i agree let's find some other stuff what do you think david yep let's do it so, uh, my first thing, while I load my notes up here, did you see the uh, the Luka Doncic-Jalen Brown thing yesterday?
0: <laughs> I did. I did. And I, I really disliked it, I think. It first popped onto my feed from uh, an Australian guy that I follow who noted that if that was Della Vadova, Americans would have gone absolutely crazy for how dirty the play was, which I think, to be honest, is a fair comment. I think Jalen Brown's, you know, from what I've seen, commentary on that uh, has kind of got away with a little bit. I think it was a dirty play kind of lowering the shoulder into a guy that, that wasn't looking after he, you know, just cooked you. Yeah, the thing about it is like, he didn't really try to hurt him hard, which I think is why Celtics
1: fans and announcers and, and etc. are like, you know, downplaying it and saying know didn't do anything. But he very clearly intended to walk into Lucas' path and give him a little bit of a shift, right? It, there's, there's no doubt he tried to do that. And uh, that's why I don't understand why everyone's reacting like, oh my god, Jalen Brown didn't do anything. Like, I'm seeing like respectable, verified people on like Twitter doing this. It's just like, come on, man, watch the, watch a the damn game with a little bit of objectivity for
0: once. Exactly. You know, I absolutely hate the guys. You know, stepping in the open court uh, that we've seen happen to Ayton a couple of times. You know, just drawing a charge like that's not a basketball play. But uh, you know, the the opposite of that is I can't stand dirty plays like that where uh, a guy's not looking. It, it's not a basketball play and you may not really intend to hurt someone, but you could really do some damage to someone. And as I said, I think play like that, if it was, you know, Della Vidova a couple of years ago would have been replayed, you know, a million times over uh, in the playoffs or or something. And, you know, there needs to be more criticism of a play like that, I think.
1: Yep, I agree. Uh, Let's turn to another Suns thing that I've been wanting to talk about and I haven't had a chance to talk about yet. Uh, Josh Jackson for the past few games, I think has clearly been playing better. The question is, do you think it's a cause for encouragement? Like, do you think this is the kind of playing better that is sustainable and that he might actually be, you know, maybe not totally turning it around, but figuring something out he can do well? Or do you think it's just been his shots have been going in and and sort of random variation?
0: No, I think this is where, you know, watching games is really crucial uh, and not just picking stats apart, because I think we've definitely seen a guy that's a lot more under control. He's It's not just that he's hit a couple of bad shots and therefore things are, are looking better for him. I think, you know, before this game, uh, he'd settled into about 15 minutes a game, kind of give or take. If he wasn't doing the right things, maybe it was more like 12 or 13, and uh, if he earned a few more minutes, it, it kind of pushed up to 17 or 18 minutes max. But, you know, the Bucks game, he was 6-7. or seven from the free throw line, I think he was the right type of aggressive, and I think we even saw that in the first half of this Pistons game. Is I think someone's definitely noted to him that he's you know shying away from the basket, away from contact, and he could actually be taking an extra step uh, and using his length. There was a nice layup in this Pistons game where he uh, used his length to to finish uh, on a pretty tough challenge from the Pistons. So I think we're seeing yeah him more under control. Uh, I think he's, you know, focused on defense as well. I actually love him with McHale. You mentioned before about Ariza, uh playing with Mikhail and, and kind of motivating him. I think uh, McHale brings out the best in Josh as well. I think he sees McHale deflecting balls, but, you know, staying down in stance and not gambling too much. And I think he actually feeds off that a little bit. So I've actually been pretty impressed with Josh and tying back into what we were discussing before with Crawford and Kanan, obviously, when the the game was on and slipping away, we, we kind of got a little bit out of control there, Max, but no pun intended for for Jackson. But you know, I'd like to see Jackson be the one that takes Kanan's minutes because as you said, if if Kanan's not running the point guard slot, just kind of standing, taking open threes, uh, and not defending, uh, I think we can do that just as well with Jackson and, you know, probably reward him with some more minutes max but you know you were probably more critical of him earlier on in the season than i was so have you turned around at all you said you'd
1: like jackson to take cannon's minutes i'd like literally anyone to take cannon's minutes do you, do you want cannon's minutes
0: david <laughs> how about george king can we call george <laughs> sure, king up
1: or why the hell not <laughs> i am happy with what i've seen from josh lay i think that there is a little bit of the shots just going down uh thing going on here but i also think he's been under control to a to an extent that he wasn't earlier uh, you know, there's still the occasional horrible drive, the occasional, you know, offensive foul when he tries to dunk on someone when he clearly has no chance to do so, which happened today. But uh, it's been better. Yep. And, and, as long as it's, you know, as long as we're trending upward, I think it's a good thing. But I'm still pretty out on him. I was saying earlier today that, you know, obviously Markel Fultz now seems to be very, very available. Uh, I'm not sure this mm-hmm. is something Philly would go for, but I'm not a huge fan of trading for Fultz because I don't think this is the right culture for him. But if we are going to trade something of value for him, I think that the Josh Jackson fault swap is probably where I would want to go with it just because I think Josh could turn into being an okay player. I'm a little low on him being like a star who would make sense on this team like at all. Yeah. Even if he's going to be good, I don't don't like him on this team particularly. Fultz on the other hand, while he's just kind of been, you know, obviously a head case and a train wreck. If he does pan out somehow, you know, the upside play, he is kind of ideal for what you want next to Booker because He's got that size, that length uh, to play defense next to him. He's absurdly athletic. He's also, he could be the primary initiator because he's a great passer. Uh, and then you know it comes down to the shooting. Obviously, in college he was an incredible shooter. So if he gets back to there, he'd be great. Mm-hmm. Uh, Space in the fourth Booker, um, but even if he just got to be respectable, uh, that would make a lot of sense to me. What do you think? Yeah,
0: I think that you know that kind of trade is something we discussed earlier on in the year, and it it didn't make sense from probably either side purely because I think, as you noted, it, it not a great situation for Fultz to come into to to try and turn his career around and uh, Jackson on Philly didn't look like a great fit. But, you know, all of a sudden they trade away a couple of combo forwards, essentially, in Covington and Saric. They look a little bit weak on the wing, as well as a couple of other positions. They just look a bit weak overall, bringing Butler in. They've certainly thinned out a little bit. But, you know, there might actually be a role there for Jackson now. And, yeah, I think maybe if that's all the price is, the Suns may need to, to take a gamble on a former number one pick in full. So yeah, it's something that I'd I'd watch. I think I agree in the fact that I would yeah, I'd probably do a trade like that. I think what you noted in terms of Jackson's fit on this team long term probably means that you can afford to to make a deal like that because it's just hard to really project forward Uh, on the next kind of Suns playoff team with this, you know, little young core and and kind of see a real, you know, future role for Josh in in extended minutes. You know, whilst he's been good in this 15 to 20 minute a game sort of role, I'm not sure that's exactly what he'd want to be doing.
1: Well, and then one thing that's also really happened, well, two things, we drafted Mikael Bridges, who is a wing, Mm -hmm. looks like he's going to be a part of it. And then also TJ Warren was the guy, I mean, if you would have asked me last season to bet hundred bucks on who developed three point shot, Josh or TJ. I would have been on Josh, but I was I would have lost a hundred dollars. TJ is the one who developed it, so I think he's the guy who you, you're looking to you know keep around, or at least until you have a star trade like we discussed. So the the fact that TJ Warren's improved and we've drafted Mikel, who looks like he's a, a player early on, it makes Josh Jackson look uh, a lot more expendable.
0: Yeah, and I think it's a nice segue into kind of what a lot of people are touching on at the moment with the the three men. Uh, lineup of Booker, Aiton, and McHale being kind of our best three-man lineup with about a you know sixteen net rating on the season in in lineups that have kind of played you know extensive minutes. I think we're talking you know any, any lineup that's played over a hundred minutes or so. So mm-hmm. you know when you've got a core like that with those three young guys all around about the same age, uh, that's going to help you kind of roster construction going forward, and interestingly, if you take Aiton out and put TJ in, that's our second best net rating lineup over 100 minutes max, so Book, TJ, and Mikhail is also working for the Suns, so that just kind of illustrates again that in terms of wing rotation and young core pieces, Josh is definitely the odd man out there.
1: Yeah, I agree, and I think that shows you one of the main reasons for optimism for this season is that... You know, some younger cores are carried kind of by their older players, or you know, the, the teams that are playing better. Yeah. Uh, that's not the Suns. Their best players are their young guys, so that's good. And maybe maybe they can do a better job surrounding them with better veterans going forward. Uh, although, as we said, reason has been better lately, so we'll see. Maybe that'll maybe that'll improve. But the other ones, I mean, Brian Anderson, I think we can now say was a complete disaster. Yep. <laughs> I don't see that one Roy really turning around. And then Crawford's been, you know, as we mentioned, he's had the you know the game winner, and he's had some moments where he got hot, but. He's not been good, I wouldn't say. I think it's that's a stretch to say he's been good. Uh, Kanan, if you want to call him a veteran, isn't bad. So they need to do a better job bringing players around their young core who are good. But hey, I'd rather have the problem be. That the veterans are bringing in are bad, and that our young guys who we're relying on for the future are
0: bad. Exactly, and I think hopefully we'll see uh, things, you know, flip at some point. You know, maybe after the trade deadline, after the All Star break. You know, something we've discussed before. How we would GM the Suns. You know, you would probably do it a little bit earlier. Uh, Than I would in the season but Anderson has kind of already accepted a a demotion to the bench you know Ariza whether it's via a buyout or or a trade or something might be happy moving on towards the end of the year and we we can really find out what we've got in these young guys The the Anderson trade's a funny one that you mentioned you know we're probably already at the point where it's really going to come down to if Melton can ever be the player that we Kind of think he can be uh, when he's given the opportunity, and uh, I guess whether Knight night comes back for Houston because mm-hmm. uh, Anderson's already basically a, a non-event for the Suns, and and Marquis Chris is you know continued to be a, a tire fire in Houston. So yeah, funnily enough, it's it's coming down to when Knight returns, you know, whether the Suns have a point guard and 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 whether Melton can be a player. Max,
1: I'm almost positive they were going to stretch Knight this summer, and they're going to do the same with Anderson. So that's almost like Unless Knight comes back and is incredible, which (laughs) I kind of hold my breath on that one. That's kind of a wash no matter what. Uh, To me, it's just a Melton-Chris trade, and Chris, I think, is done. I think he's going to be on the Guangdong Tigers soon enough. (laughs) Uh, And Melton, obviously, I've said a million times, I think he has a lot of potential. I think he's going on you a little bit, too. You know, he can't run an offense right now. He's not an NBA point guard right now, which I think is why he's not playing. But uh, I really hope Igor realizes soon that what he needs next to Crawford in that backup unit isn't you know, another NBA point guard. He just needs somebody who can play defense and you know just be complimentary to everybody else. And also, I am not sure Melton can't shoot. Like it kind of looks like he can shoot from what we've seen. It's a small sample, but I'd, I'd like to see more of it. I that's kind of my biggest my biggest problem with Igor right now, is that I think I think he's so focused on his offense and getting that to run well. Uh, which I get it that's what he got on the job that's why he's you know a coach who was yeah you know viable for an NBA job is because his offense was so good and yeah you, you want to stick with what you got you there but man you they really need to adjust to where the roster is right now and their roster right now is a team that should be when Booker's not on the floor they should be grinding out possessions
0: yeah I, I hate to keep harping on the same points but you know we're, we're a Phoenix Suns podcast here and and you know we need to talk about what the, the kind of key things are and, and Kanan's Certainly it. I think what you said, you know, the the role that Kanan's playing, there's no reason why Melton can't play that role, particularly, Mm -hmm. you know, Kanan's like 40% from field uh, on the season, I think around 35 from three, which is, I guess, decent. Maybe Melton would struggle to match that. But, you know, in the last four or five games, you know, the four games before this Detroit one, for instance, Kanan's only had like 15 points on kind of 5 of 21 shooting, I'm pretty sure Melton can at least match that and at least bring some defense and, you know, not be continually going under screens and, and kind of helping the bigs out a little bit more with some perimeter defense, Max. So uh, I agree. I think Igor, I think you've nailed it on the head. Igor's definitely tied to someone that uh, can run the offense. But in the role that we're seeing, p pa- particularly... That second sub where he plays along with Crawford. Crawford's clearly the playmaker in that team and that's where you need to uh start getting Kanan out and, and getting guys like Melton in.
1: Yeah, I can't watch any more Caden Crawford minutes. That's the thing that's that's the most poisonous thing to my brain
0: when I'm watching the Suns right now. And I think the majority of the fan base agrees with you, Max, that Yeah, I think sure. so too.
1: Let's uh let's do uh, at least one more league wide thing. Sure. I, I think the MVP race is pretty interesting. It's very interesting. Giannis, I think right now would be the odds on favorite, but there are some other guys who are who are really playing very well, and one who's not getting enough credit. I don't think I don't know how much you've watched Memphis and how good they've been, but Marcus Saul has you know been by the advanced metrics one of the best players in the entire league. In fact, the best player in the league by the advanced metrics. Uh, he's a, a DPOI candidate for sure. And I think he might also be a kind of a sneaky dark horse MVP candidate. Yeah.
0: I mean, anytime that a team like that makes a jump, I think an MVP candidate is going to, you know, rise from the ashes, so to speak. I think you're right. He's not getting in a lot of those conversations right now. And that's probably unfair, mainly because, and I'm guilty of this too. I think that everyone just expects Memphis to drop off at some point and therefore mm-hmm. their record won't really be... Uh, conducive to having an MVP type guy on there. But, you know, at the moment, they're, you know, sitting at the top of of the West, kind of 12 and 6, I think they are at the moment, and he's the best player on the team. So, you know, when you've got such a tight MVP race, I think you're right. I think Giannis is leading it, and then there's like a little uh, chasing pack behind him. But I would put Gasol in there, uh, I was actually going to ask you a, a kind of a rough candidate for, for the MVP race, but I, I, I would imagine that you would throw up Gasol then. Is there, is there any others that you've got your eye on? Uh, That's a good question. I would say maybe Lillard sort of on the outskirts.
1: Really like how he's played. Yep. Portland's obviously been really good. Embiid, uh, I don't know. He's kind of getting a lot of pub. Uh, I think Philadelphia's not as good as their record is, so I think they might fall off a little bit. Mm-hmm. But he's been just impossible. Uh, I know in our notes you mentioned Lowry. Do you want to talk about Lowry a little bit? He's been extremely good.
0: Lowry's been really good. That That's a tough one. Obviously, with the Kawhi DeRozan trade, a lot of people are mm-hmm. just going to look to Kawhi uh, as being the reason that they've made, I guess, an extra leap so far in the regular season. But, you know, I've noticed a lot of smart Toronto people uh, call out Kyle Lowry's play and, and him being just as important to that team at the moment. So, yeah, he and Kawhi are kind of tied together and it, it they probably will be for quite a while until maybe one really rises to the top for that team. Uh Toronto I think are, you know, 16 and 4 or something at the moment. So at least one of those guys if not both of them is going to, you know, be a deserved candidate all throughout the season and you know, finally we just we just played Detroit. We noted that, you know, the Suns did a pretty good job on Blake Griffin maybe and, and towards the end there where he probably Put the team on, on his back and, and won them the game. But, you know, he's another roughie for me. Detroit are only, I think, 10 and 7, so they'd really have to improve for the rest of the year and maintain it. Probably another team that everyone expects to drop off at some point, Max. But, you know, he's 25 points per game, which is pretty much a career high for him I believe he's 40% from 3 which is also a career high for him and 10.4 rebounds per game which I believe is a career high you have to go all the way back to his kind of rookie and sophomore seasons to get those kind of numbers so didn't see that coming obviously playing next to Andre Drummond uh, a lot of his rebounds got eaten up by DeAndre Jordan uh, in his Clippers career, but he's kind of bumped everything up across the board and is probably the reason that the Pistons are so good at the moment too.
1: Yeah, no, Blake's a great name to bring up, uh, especially early, really early in the season he was going nuclear for a while. to get he had like 50 points against the Sixers, but uh problem with Blake, he gets hurt all the time. I think if he stayed healthy the entire season and kept Detroit in the... Uh, in the top four he'd be a candidate for sure he's been a top five MVP candidate before right I think he finished the top five uh with the Clippers one of those years
0: yeah and as you said generally in the conversation until he gets injured every year so yeah I think that's probably the most important point uh, with him as a player and with any team that he's the best player on it it's hard to buy in on Detroit because yeah he's probably bound to spend a little bit of time on the sidelines and, and therefore Detroit you know, as we just saw in the game against Phoenix, would would probably drop off the cliff a little bit because as we've gone over quite extensively with uh, Phoenix's talent drop-off, that... There's not much there on that Pistons second unit either, Max. So I've
1: got one for you who uh, who fits the exact thing you've been talking about to a T. Go for it.
0: I saw today on Twitter that this team is the team that
1: has suffered the most from, I guess, bad luck in terms of like what their margin versus what their record is. Mm-hmm. And they, one player has just been magnificent, keeping them alive and keeping them in these games that they've been losing close. Uh, they're near and dear to my heart because I made a crazy prediction about them. David, it's Kimball Walker and the Charlotte Hornets. Kimball Walker has been insane this year. He
0: really has, yeah. He's not on my list and it's probably, you know, a shame by me that he's not, because he definitely deserves to be in that conversation. You know, Charlotte's record is just okay, but it would be miserable without him, so definitely worth uh bringing up a name like Kemba. Can and, you
1: imagine if the Suns would have traded Josh Jackson for him? Like It was kind of you know, you know vaguely rumored. I don't know if that was ever a real thing, but had a trade like that happened, I think Kemba and Booker would be...
0: They'd be one of these teams in the Western Conference, and it's, it's a surprise top eight. Oh, they'd be a fun team to watch for sure, uh, and, and would probably mm-hmm. have Suns fans more excited than what they are right now, but Charlotte, I guess for all the rumors, didn't appear to want to let go of him, and, and certainly don't appear to mm-hmm. want to let go of him now. I'd say that they're probably more Prone to, to making another trade to keep him happy and and maybe get him some pieces to push for the playoffs max rather than make a trade to to ship Kemba out. Yeah,
1: I think that they're much more uh, gunning that way. I fully expect them to give Kemba the full max this offseason. They might even give him the super max if he if he qualifies for All NBA, which is kind of where he's headed. Yeah, and yeah, that's gonna that's gonna kill their team long term. But at the same time, I can't really blame them for it. They consider him to be their best player in franchise history, which he is. Uh, so, listen, sometimes winning the title is not the only thing. You Your fans love a guy, and you're going to pay a guy, and that's, that's kind of where Charlotte's headed, I think.
0: Yeah, and I think you're right. It, it could destine them to mediocrity, but uh, he's not going to say no to that kind of contract, and uh, Charlotte become pretty damn irrelevant uh, if they don't keep a guy like Walker on the team, so... Uh, I think you've hit the nail on the head there. It seems to be a, a match made in heaven.
1: They've been a rumored Bradley Beal destination, which I think is awesome. Ooh,
0: interesting. What do you think about the
1: Washington Wizards situation? We won't talk about Dwight Howard and his stuff because that's a fraught issue, and I don't want to get into it. I don't want to go anywhere near that one. <laughs> Me neither. So let's not. So let's talk about the uh, the three main guys there: John Wall, Bradley Beal, Otto Porter, and sort of. Well, I'll ask you two things. First, to keep it Suns-related, would you want the Suns to trade for any of those guys? And second, uh, yeah, whether or not you do, where do you see those guys? What do you see uh, Washington doing with those guys? Yeah,
0: I think it's really tough. To answer your first question with Phoenix, I think Beal is probably the only one that you'd really look at. I'm a big Otto Porter fan, but when you've got TJ Warren on a great contract and, and Mikhail Bridges on you know a rookie contract, I just mm-hmm. think that pay, what you're going to have to give up for Otto and then the salary that he's owed for quite some time just takes him out of the equation. And just
1: to piggyback on that before you go on, if, if the Suns traded for Otto Porter with his personality type, which is super docile and super, you know, defers to people, yep. he would just fall right into the crap that the Suns do. And he would be a lot worse, I think. But go yeah, on. Yeah, I'm
0: not into that. Not into that. But they'll definitely look to trade Otto somewhere, I'm sure. But I think we both agree that Bill is probably the most attractive piece, both from a Phoenix mm-hmm. point of view and probably a league-wide point of view. I think John Wall... Isn't going anywhere. Many people have touched on that, and certainly not going anywhere soon with that trade kicker that he's got. So mm-hmm. I think Beal's the most likely to go if you're talking about them making a trade this season before the trade deadline. Uh, and he would have a number of suitors, uh, of which Phoenix is is probably one. Many people have brought him up. I don't actually love him for Phoenix just from a roster construction standpoint going forward. I think you know a lot of smart people, sons people that I follow have. Been into the idea purely because, you know, we keep talking about talent and he would be a a great talent acquisition for this roster and you just try and figure it out. Just kind of longer term, uh, I think you'd still need a point guard and then it just kind of gets tricky to fit all the pieces in around it. But, uh, and defensively as well with, with him and Booker as a backcourt, if you do. I guess, shy away from full-time point book. But I know you're a hell of a lot more into full-time point book than I am, Max. So uh, uh, what do you think about the Suns chasing Beal and and what it might cost us, I suppose? It's certainly
1: not ideal for the reasons you said. He's not a point guard. Uh, he's not the best defender although he's not a bad defender and he's pretty well sized yeah i think if he were engaged he could actually be probably like a you know a slightly above average defender for his position mm-hmm. and here's the thing about him when john wall was out last season for what was it like 2 months it was a, it was a while uh his playmaking was significantly better uh he was you know routinely getting in the kind of the booker level was this you know he was 7 to 9 yep. uh, low turn he was he was running the team fine the team was playing pretty well like, i i don't think he's a natural point guard and as booker isn't right now either but i think that he's good enough where they'd be pretty good and also i i think as you know as you mentioned i am a lot higher on booker developing and getting better at that as he goes on i think he's already underrated at it he's got pretty good vision he's really the weird thing about booker is i think his vision's better than his execution pass wise yeah and so i think he might i think it's probably easier to get better at the execution part the The vision part's the harder thing. It's more the natural ability. I think a lot
0: of the turnovers that we saw down the stretch tonight against the Pistons were, yeah, him seeing passes and kind of just being a little bit late or or not executing... Uh, the pass you know quite well enough or or being a little bit too predictable but yeah I think it's a good point he's his court vision itself is definitely uh, something that leans to him being able to play more of a role like that yeah he needs to get stronger I
1: think and get a better handle I think that would help him a lot I think I think it's more the problem than him just not being a natural point guard which is why I'm pretty high on him being an initiator later on Mm -hmm. but here's the other thing about trading for Bradley Beal which I think is sort of overlooked He's on a pretty decent contract compared to a lot of the stars in the NBA.
0: It's a great contract. Yeah. So,
1: so if you got him and let's say it works out fine, doesn't work out great, like he's good, but it's clear the Suns aren't going to you know, go long time with him. He's going to be a very easy guy to trade when he's 27 years old on a on one-year, $28 million contract. That's, you, you can turn
0: around and trade him again. Yeah, that's a really good point. I think you know Drew Holiday is another guy that I keep bringing up who's on a very similar contract type deal, which is, you know, a great value for a player like that. And I think we both agree uh, it is probably a better fit next to Booker than Bill. But as you and I have both noted, not currently actually available, whereas Bill certainly seems to be someone that you could uh, go and get. One thing that I will say is I think what you've touched on, I certainly believe in Booker doing some primary, you know, initiation duties on the court. Beal, I think, can give him more of a chop out to you know what our current system is with uh, Booker playing with Mikhail, Areza and TJ. I think Beal's you know, much more able to go and collect the ball after a, uh, a bucket from the opposition and, and bring it up the court and, and give Booker a bit of a chop out. So I do like it from that standpoint. And just recently in that starting lineup, we've seen Mikhail become more of the point of attack defender. So mm-hmm. if he keeps progressing as a guy that can guard the point guard, then we get into a situation that you know we probably discussed uh pre-draft with the Suns, you know, us wanting the Suns to draft dontich is all of a sudden you might have a 3 that can guard ones uh when needed, and then that side of the ball becomes a little easier to swallow as well. So I can definitely be talked into Bill it it probably just depends on what the cost is at the end of the day, and I think you and I probably agree that you'd probably look to throw Josh in a deal like that if Washington would take him. Uh, And then probably a a hell of a lot of draft picks and things because you'd be hoping that uh, Washington were kind of blowing it up and and seeing what they could get there.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure what Washington would want. I'd imagine cap relief might be part of it. So maybe you... part of the deal just to get them that yeah off the books
0: good point good point but
1: yeah i mean maybe if they really buy into what tj's been doing but the, the thing about tj is he's you know he's got four years left even though he's a good player i don't know if that's what they really want so it is tough it's going to come down a lot to what washington wants and that's why looking around the league it's it's hard to come up with washington trades at least it is for me because i don't know what washington's going to want to do they're saddled with this horrible john wall contract It's just gonna poison them for you know the next four years. It's like, yeah. I guess what you do when you have something like that is you just go for you know the most traffic you can get and just try to get super young guys who are kind of coming into their own when Wall finally expires. But. It's it's not an easy situation. They're they're basically in a no win situation. So w- when someone's cornered in a gunfight in, in the corner of a room, like how are they gonna behave? Probably like an insane person. Yeah,
0: exactly. And I think you've nailed it on the head when you've got a, a contract like that that runs for you know quite some time. Maybe draft picks are a positive for them because if they can nail a couple of them, then you kind of offset a little bit by having some real valued guys. So guys like T J that are on good value contracts, uh, plus cheap young guys coming through the ranks is probably what Washington are eventually going to bite on uh bill or Porter if they can't get off war, which I don't think they're going to be able to. I don't know
1: why anyone would trade for John Wall's contract. It's so bad. Uh, I'm going to put you on the spot here though, David, would you do this trade for Bradley Beal, mm-hmm. Trevor Ariza, Josh Jackson, and then someone else to make the contract work. It would probably have to be, like, what? Dragon Bender, maybe, would make the contract work of the trade? Yeah. And then, and then maybe throw in Troy Daniels, but something like that. And then you throw in the Milwaukee pick, and you throw in our own pick, top three protected
0: this year, unprotected next year. On the spot, uh, I do that deal. I think a is a wash, you know, particularly if we're talking around the trade deadline then you you just you're getting something of value out of that signing for him, so that's great. Josh, we've talked about being kind of the most dispensable young piece on this team. You know, we we declined Dragons' option. He hasn't done anything to to make us think that that's a bad idea just yet, so that's just salary. The Milwaukee pick I think is a pick that you happily give up in pretty much any situation that uh, improves the overall talent value and Suns picks. You know something we've also discussed in the past. With the current state of the team, you probably want some protection on it if you can for this season. But then going forward, you've kind of got all the young pieces you need. And at some point, if you need to upgrade the talent overall, you kind of got to give something up. So I'd probably be fine with an unprotected pick the following year, Max. So uh, yeah, you you've got me in on that one. Yeah,
1: I think I'm in on it too. And part of it is just like. I just don't want to waste Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, and Mikhail Burgess. Like, if you get Bradley Beal in here, they're going to be a lot better. And it's just going to be easier for them to develop.
0: Yeah, and I think that's going to be the philosophy of the front office going forward, too. We're already staring down the barrel of another season of Booker not making the playoffs after his big call last offseason. So he's not going to want to hear, oh, we've got all these draft picks ready to go for you. He He's going to want to hear, give me talent on the court. and uh, that's you know where trades like this come from. I think. Yeah,
1: you just can't lose Devin Booker, and I think Cohen Olson made this point on Twitter. Like the Suns should be in. It's, it's sad they're already here for a 22 year old guy they just gave a massive extension to, mm-hmm. but they need to be in, convince Devin Booker to not leave mode, because he's he's their star and he really wants to win. He's a competitive guy and he doesn't seem particularly happy. Uh, I mean, sure he's happier lately because things have been better, but. There was a stretch there when they were getting their asses kicked, you know, night in and night out it It was like, is Booker going to become the first guy ever to
0: ask out before his extension even kicks in? (laughs) Yeah. And that was my motto for the GM pod, Operation Keep Booker Happy, Max. So yeah, I agree with anyone who's talking about that. But should we uh, perhaps move on here, Max?
1: Yeah, let's do it. So I think you're going to throw in a little, uh, did you know, in 7SOL as a combined segment? Yeah,
0: we're a bit of a relaxed episode here. So we've thrown away the, the usual structure to our pods. But I'll quickly go over the week that was here, Max, before jumping into that. So, as we joked about, I think, last episode, the Suns with that win over Milwaukee have kept our one win per episode streak alive, I believe. So... We've uh, had a loss to OKC, a loss to Philly, a loss to Chicago, that win versus Milwaukee 116 to 114, uh, and unfortunately today we couldn't get the second win put for a week, going down 107 to 118 against the Pistons, Max. So, overall record sits at 4 and 15 at the moment, and no surprise to anyone that we're still last in the division and the conference. So, we've got some upcoming games this week before our next episode, Max, which is Indiana, at the Clippers, and versus Orlando. So it's just the three games probably before our next episode, and I think that actually will round out November, Max.
1: I'm excited to see them play against some of these overachieving young teams. I think that's kind of the kind of teams they can, they can beat. We'll,
0: uh we'll be back, obviously, with uh, another awards episode, therefore, with all the games done for November. Yeah, I'm
1: excited for that. The teams played a little bit better than they were before, so the awards should be more
0: fun to give out. Yep, but I'll uh, I'll jump into my mashed segment here for you Max. So, believe it or not, did you know this is the 28th episode of 7 seconds or less, Max? So, I thought we'd do a quick segment this week and mix it in with my turn to ask the 7 seconds or less questions to you to end the episode. For this episode, we're going to talk all things suns and the number 28. Max, there's only been one number 28 for the Suns, and I won't make you try and name him. Thank you. His name was Andrew Lang, a 6'11 center from Pine Bluff. I knew that I've heard of him. Arkansas, one of my favorites. They drafted him really high, right? Uh, Well, we'll get into that in a minute. He, okay. he played four seasons with the Suns in the late 80s and early 90s. In fact, Max, he was drafted in 1988 with none other than the 28th overall pick. Oh, okay. Just one of three players drafted with pick 28 by the Sun the others were Rod Foster who played 3 seasons and Skel LeBissier who was traded to Sacramento. The Suns' 28th season max was the 95-96 season that ended up a perfectly balanced 41 wins and 41 losses, but only after the disastrous start to the season which we discussed a few episodes ago. That team was led by Charles Barkley, who scored 28 points exactly only once in that season, a win over the Spurs. Max, how many times do you think Chuck scored more than 28 points in that season? Wow. Um, A lot? Probably 40? Nah, no, just the sixteen times he scored over twenty-eight. The highest being forty-five points in a loss to none other than the team we just watched, the Pistons. I
1: kind of forgot that no one, the people didn't score that much as much besides Michael Jordan. Like <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. But speaking of points, Dennis Johnson currently holds the twenty-eighth spot on the Suns' point-scoring leaderboard. A combo guard who amassed. 4,140 points for the Suns in just three seasons. Now, a couple more not-quite-28 fun facts for you, Max. No Sun has ever averaged 28 points per game in a season, but Tom Chambers came mighty close in the 89-90 season with 27.2 points per game. In a similar vein, Amari Stoddermeyer holds the record for player efficiency rating in a single season, just falling short of 28 again, with a PER of 27.6 in 07-08. As you know, Max, I guaranteed you the Suns wouldn't lose by 30-plus this season with Devin Booker on the team, a guarantee that has looked very shaky to start the season, especially when the Suns' first loss of the year came to Denver with a margin of you guessed it, 28 points. But the biggest losses have dried up for now, with the last 20-plus one being against New Orleans eight games ago. That loss, Max, took the win-loss record against the Pelicans to 28 wins and 28 losses. Hmm. But a test for you to end Did You Know, Max, with the Suns in their 51st NBA season and still trying to break the playoff drought how many playoff appearances would you say the Suns have made in that time?
1: In 51 years? Yep. 28?
0: 29. (laughs) (laughs) That was tricky. Now, are you ready to jump straight into a number 28 theme 7 seconds or less with 3 more questions, Max? Why the hell not? Let's do it. All right, I've broken this into 3 tiers. So, short term, Isaiah Cannon will be 28 years of age after this season, Max, but before that, his contract doesn't become fully guaranteed until January 10. Is Canaan a son on January 11th, Max?
1: God, I hope not. And I'll say no. I think they're going to figure this out.
0: All right. Medium term, before the season started, Vegas set the Phoenix over under at 28.5 wins. I think we were both pretty bullish on that amount preseason, but right now we have four wins. So does Phoenix go over or under by season's end?
1: I was a little bullish. I had them slightly over. I thought they'd win like 29, and I'm going to have them more like 26 now. Yeah,
0: I think that's fair enough. And long term, we discussed this player just before. Devin Booker will be 28 years of age when he signs his next contract in the NBA, Max with his extension going through his 23 to 27 years Will Booker sign his next deal with the Phoenix Suns? Oh,
1: why did you have to ask me that? <laughs> you know what? Fuck it. Yes, yes, he will, because we're going to be awesome, and why would he ever want to leave us, Devin? Please don't leave us.
0: It could be a Kemba Walker-type scenario where we just got to do it, and he's got to sign it, Max.
1: Yeah, it could be one of the things, too, where he qualifies for the uh, for the Supermax. He's in an all-NBA team, and like, you know, he mm-hmm. just wants the money. And who can blame someone for wanting the money, David? Exactly.
0: Well, that's it for our little mashup this week, Max, and, and probably it for our uh, uh, test episode here with the the Pistons game not quite uh, holding up its end of the bargain but hopefully a, another fun episode for the listeners nonetheless
1: yeah I think we had a pretty fun conversation after that uh, <laughs> maybe it was a little tough during the episode but what can you do we don't we don't play the games David we just talk about the games exactly well everyone thanks for listening you can follow me max MCC 11 on Twitter you can follow David at the four-point play on Twitter you can follow our podcast at 7 solpod on Twitter. Twitter, please rate, review, and subscribe. We really appreciate our reviews. We absolutely do. David, why don't you read off a few of the people who reviewed this week? Yeah, so
0: I, I threw out the challenge for our Aussie listeners to add to the the Australian version of iTunes and Gene. Uh, Jean- DDJJ and Boyd all answered the call uh, giving us 5 star ratings and really nice reviews so thanks to those guys and keep them coming on uh, both sides of the ocean Max
1: thank you Australian fellas we appreciate it we need more from everywhere
0: but especially Australia come on you got you got David talking about the sun we're up to 9 5 stars in Australia so we hopefully we can keep that going Max and uh, as I said another fun episode and, and thanks always yep thanks everybody appreciate it